So, we are in a series called Follow Me. Uh, today, uh, we are on the third uh, discipleship step, train one another in obedience. Uh, they're not really in any particular order, but we are moving left to right uh, as they are up here. And uh, we've talked about creating community, we've talked about serving others and proclaiming the gospel. But the big question that we're, we're answering through this series is, is uh, who are you following? Jesus calls us to follow him. Uh, we call these our discipleship steps because Jesus had the disciples, the 12 disciples. To be a disciple means that you're a learner or, or a student is what the word means. And we want to be learners. We want to be students of Jesus. But this isn't just an academic exercise about learning about Jesus. Uh, this is actually learning about the way Jesus was, who he is, and actually having our behaviors and attitudes become like his. So Jesus was a Jewish rabbi, and so his disciples, they didn't just sit down and read books about him or what he, the Old Testament or whatever. That he would travel with them. And along the way, they would learn and he, they would pick up behaviors of Jesus. And they wanted to, the disciples' role was to be more and more like their rabbi, to become like him. So there's even stories to the extent of where the disciples would be wondering, like even following their rabbi to the bathroom. Like what if the rabbi prays a certain prayer that we don't know? So we better follow him to the bathroom. They wanted that much to know what their rabbi was like that they could emulate and copy him to that extent. Maybe a little bit odd for our day and age, but that's the heart of, of what it means to be following Jesus, to, to be like Jesus. So as we work through what does discipleship look like in our context here in today's day and age, we ended up trying to capture uh, the best way that we could follow Jesus. So we have these four steps. Our goal was, hopefully it's helpful. Our goal wasn't to exactly be theologically perfectly precise and holistic and all this. Yes, but it, it, we wanted more to, is this helpful? And we think that we've kind of found that balance really well here with these four steps. If you want to know what it means to uh, be a follower of Jesus, here's four steps. And today we're going to be looking at uh, training one another in obedience. Uh, with the word uh, obedience, it's not necessarily this overly popular word in our day and age. Uh, it's been abused in the church, kind of demanding obedience. Uh, I don't think that's Jesus' way. Uh, I don't, it's not our way to demand obedience. Um, I think instead we are hoping that to train one another to obey. And so the one another component of this is that it connects with our creating community step. We want to, to train one another. It's not just the pastor that's going to be up here training you and now you're all trained. It's as you interact with one another. Each one of you has a uniqueness and a gift and an ability. No matter where you're at in your, in your faith and no matter where you're at in your steps with Jesus, that you can train one another in obedience. So whether you're a long way on the journey, you have something to pass down to those who are new on the journey. If you're new to the journey, you have a, a way to pass on to those who are farther along. Um, they can still learn from you 
in how to be obedient to Christ. My son comes home from school. He's in grade five, and he's learning about the solar system. And he comes up to me over lunch, and it's like, hey, Dad, on the sun, there's gas explosions that are the size of the earth. Cool. I didn't know that. I just learned from my son about the solar system. I think gas explosions are really amazing. But a father can learn something from his child, especially because the father didn't do so well in grade five, that about some of the solar systems and about some of those things. As we create community together, we can learn from one another and we can grow. And that's the way that we see uh, Jesus. So we can talk about training. We can talk about one another. But the focus of this morning is going to be um, understanding obedience. Okay, Barry, turn off the mic. Turn on the mic. Okay, thanks. Okay, so the word that we're looking at today with obedience in, in the Old Testament is the word shama, uh, something to that effect, forgive my Hebrew, uh, but it connects with hearing. So obedience is connected with hearing God's word. So what I did over here is I ended up saying, for everyone who can hear me, can you please stand up and turn around? Now, some of them obeyed. They heard they stood up, they turned around, they had no idea what they were doing, but they just did. There's some of them that I'm pretty sure heard, either that or they're getting a little bit old, Brian Hagee, that they didn't stand up and turn around. For whatever reason, there was a lack of obedience, even though maybe Brian didn't hear me. Getting a little older. Not, what's that? Selective hearing, Yes. The point is, though, that when we hear something, it's implied that obedience will follow. Parents know this really well. I know this really well with the command, when I saith unto my children, put the dishes in the dishwasher, thus saith the father. I always speak old, or like old English when I get serious. As you know, my children every time put their dishes into the dishwasher with a proud, yes, Father. Um, no. Often, we know that they hear. They definitely hear. And yet, obedience is not necessarily the response. Even though, as a father, I'm expecting that obedience will be the response that they have. So hearing and obedience, they, they go together. The, the words are connected uh, throughout the Old Testament, and we kind of get some of that in our culture here uh, as well. Exodus 24, uh, verse 3. Moses is talking to the Israelite people, and he's confirming the covenant. So God is making the, the Jewish people his people, and he, he makes this covenant with them. And he's, this is the confirmation of the covenant with the Ten Commandments, and he is going to be their God, they are going to be his people. And Moses went and told the people all the Lord's words and laws. And they responded in one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. A couple verses later, verse 7. Then he took the book of the covenant and he read it to the people. And they responded, 
We will do everything that the Lord has said. We will obey. And so obedience is expected in a relationship where one has an authority over the other. God and his people, parent or teacher and a child, a boss and an employee. But it doesn't necessarily always happen. The dishwasher doesn't always get filled. Or cleaned out, for that matter. For those of you that aren't acquainted with the Israelites of the Old Testament, uh, they weren't actually so good at obeying this God that had formed this covenant and made them his people. They weren't so good at, at obeying. And so the prophets ended up speaking to them and often would call them deaf. They're deaf. What are you, deaf? You didn't hear me? You didn't hear the word of the Lord? Now, the Ten Commandments the, for the Israelites, they, they had it memorized. They knew the word of the Lord. They could recite it. They understood it. They could repeat it. But often they struggled with the ability to live it. And so even though obedience is connected with hearing, obedience goes beyond hearing. It needs to be followed up with action. Uh, I appreciate it when people come to me uh, after a sermon and they say, uh, good, good message, good sermon, pastor, thank you. Uh, and, and I say thank you and I appreciate that, it's genuine. Um, but the, at times in the back of my head, I have to admit that I'm thinking, are you going to do anything with it? Or is that just like, did you just have a history lesson and you appreciate the history lesson? Is it going to cause your life to change? A good sermon, in my mind, is something that where you do something as a result. Uh, James Penner speaks a lot. He's a, he's a, 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 comes up here, speaks and stuff. And I mean, for James, I know this, and some of you that know James, like, I mean, like, do something. Like, he, he, he speaks quite clearly and forthrightly, uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with James. And it's like, do something. Don't just come up to me and say, that was nice, right? Yeah. Go live it out. Have the word of God transform your life. Take a risk. Have some courage and step forward. Jesus recognized this too. This is, so I would say that Jesus is the best preacher that, that has ever preached. And he, the best sermon that Jesus ever preached is known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's recorded in Matthew 5 all the way to Matthew 7. And Jesus preaches this killer sermon. And he just lays it out. And people recognize, man, this guy is speaking with authority. Like, this is amazing. This is how Jesus concludes his sermon. Therefore, everyone who hears the, these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who has built his house on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains came down, the floods came up, and the storms came of life. And those who obeyed and put into practice Jesus' words, they lived it out. When the storms came, their house stood. They were able to manage those things. Those who didn't, who didn't put it into practice, they just heard it, and they didn't actually apply it into their life. The storms came, house crumbles. Paul gets this as well. The Apostle Paul, in Romans chapter 2, he says, 
For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. The response to the command is the important part. The book of James, James chapter 1. We're going to be going into a series on James after Thanksgiving. James chapter 1. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So, with that as a background... Let's get into the message for this morning. The focus is the Great Commission. Last week, Bruce talked about the Great Commandment to love God and love your neighbor. The Great Commission is Jesus' last words in the book of Matthew. It comes after Jesus has died on the cross, has been in the tomb for three days, and then comes back to life. And he appears to his disciples and many others as a resurrected Savior. And he appears to them, and then he ascends into heaven. But before he ascends into heaven, these are his last recorded words. He says this, Go, make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded them. In other words, help everyone who chooses to follow Jesus to put into practice the things that he said. So I think with the disciples, Jesus ascends into heaven. Their minds are kind of blown as to what's just happened. Somewhere along the way, shortly after, one of them said, "Uh, so what was everything Jesus said? One of them said, "Uh, you know, I I was sleeping. And the other said, I was actually in an argument over here. And one of them said, I was serving bread, I was helping, but I didn't hear, did he say something here? What was everything that Jesus has commanded? The summary would be, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. But I don't think we're responsible just for the Coles Notes version. I think we're responsible actually to know what Jesus said. And so what is the everything that Jesus commanded? So I did this last year, some of you will remember this. I'm going to show you by the magic of Google everything that Jesus has commanded, according to at least Google. So put it up on the screen here. Um, Whether or not this is an accurate list or whatever, you can go and and Google what are all the commands of Jesus. But here they are. This This is a summary list of all the things that Jesus commanded it. So hearing implies obedience, right? As I go through this list, you can start going, okay, so how am I doing? Now, I'll make it a little bit easier on you. It took Jesus three years to teach these things to his disciples. You're getting it all downloaded, boom, like that. Like, that's not fair. So let's, let's ease, it, ease it up a little bit. Focus on one. Spirit of God, what are you saying? Which one? do I need to step into obedience to you with? Just allow God to speak. What is the thing that he is asking you to step into obedience with? So you can easily get overwhelmed by a big long list. I I get that. Let's go through it. Simply, allow God, as I go through this, what is he saying to you? Where is a step of obedience being asked of you?
Repent. The heart of Jesus' message is to turn from wickedness to 180 degrees from, from evil. Follow me. Well, that's our series. Uh, rejoice, even when you're persecuted or insulted. Excuse me, when others don't understand your lifestyle. Let your light shine. Don't hide your good deeds. You don't have to do it in a boastful way, but don't go and hide them. Be reconciled. If you're making an offering to God or an act of worship, remember you remember someone has something against you, you have something against someone, get together. Figure it out. We're, we're celebrating, partaking in, in communion this morning. A great time to, to unify, come back together, say your story, get right with one another, be reconciled. Don't lust. Jesus took this one to a whole new level. The Old Testament command was don't commit adultery. And Jesus steps it up and is like, ah, it's actually in your heart what you're feeling. Keep your word. Go the second mile. So the, the Old Testament law, of the limit of retribution was you can do to others that whatever they did to you. So you get hit, you can hit back. But you can't hit someone and kick them. You were just hit, you can hit them back. But don't step it up and kick them as well. Don't escalate a feud. If one of your family members dies, you can go kill the person that died, but don't kill them and their brother and their sister and the whole family. That just escalates the conflict. Jesus kind of flips that one around, and he says, don't even fight back. Just forgive them. Go the second mile. Love your enemies. Uh, Be perfect. Don't store up your treasures in heaven. God will provide for you. Seek God's kingdom. Don't judge. Choose the narrow way, not just the easy way. Beware of false prophets. Pray for laborers, those who are bringing in a harvest to people annoying Jesus. Be wise as servants. Be innocent as doves. Don't be afraid. Hear God's voice, which means obey. Remember, hearing God's voice implies obedience. Take my yoke. That's not an egg yoke. A yoke was tied together to oxen. And so be tied together, strapped together, walking, plowing the ground with Jesus. Honor your parents. There is no age limit put on this. Honor your parents until you're 18 and then you're good. It's not what Jesus says. Honor your parents. I think that even includes in-laws. And my father and mother-in-law were in the service, in the first service, and he shouted out, Amen. (laughs) Uh, Honor marriage, be a servant, be a house of prayer, ask in faith. Mountains will be thrown into the sea. Some of these you have to do a little extra study to know what they're meaning. Love the Lord, love your, love your neighbor, await my return, eat, drink, take of the uh, communion elements that we're going to be participating with this morning. Don will explain more about that. Watch and pray, make disciples, baptize my disciples, teach my disciples, deny yourself, be aware of covetousness, bring in the poor, receive God's power. After we do communion, when the baskets are getting collected in the, the cups, we'll have a prayer team come forward here. Um, and if you just want to pray for, to receive the power of God, the Holy Spirit in your life, come forward and just pray with them. Uh, it'd be a fabulous time to receive God's power through the Holy Spirit. Be born again. Live a spirit-filled life and keep my commandments. So I don't know if that's exactly everything that Jesus commanded. I don't know if that's exactly what the point of this is, but hopefully it inspires us a little bit to hear 
God's word, hear Jesus' commands, and now take that step of obedience. So I'm going to ask Mike Richards to come up here. Uh, This is Mike coming up. Uh, Mike is going to share a bit of his story of a step of obedience that he took uh, at one of our men's nights back in January. So go for it. Yeah, sorry, I should hand that to you. That would have been polite. Be hospitable. Mm, missed that one. I, I gotcha. I'm standing here looking at you because you're just... There you go. You were expecting me to give you a longer intro, weren't you? Yep. Sorry. Thanks. Blew that one. Good morning. On January 26th of this year, I made a public commitment in front of a group of about 60 men at our last Grove night of that series that I would commit to pray for my wife and my kids daily. I had past thoughts and a drive to pray for my family, but had never really committed to actually being consistent and doing it. That night was that night as we were wrapping up and James Penner had us in a large circle to commission us off, I felt God tugging at me to make this commitment. My wife and I have had a very hard road over the course of our nine years of marriage. I can proudly state that this Wednesday we will be celebrating our ninth anniversary and heading into our tenth year. God has blessed me with an absolutely amazing wife who has stood by me only because of his grace. You see, I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm also an alcoholic. I have, I have overcome this adversity by his power and his resolve alone. And that day that I committed to praying to my family, I made a promise to the men of that group and to God that I would take time every day to surrender my family to his will and to his direction. And God honors commitment. I've watched as my wife has struggled with some adversity, reach out more to God for his help, which is very encouraging to see her love and connection grow. I have seen God on occasion give her strength needed to overcome things that I couldn't even imagine. I have watched my children start to develop a love for our Savior that I I could have only dreamed of a year ago. If it wasn't for my commitment to God, who knows where we would be. As the years gone on and I have seen the changes of my family, I've also seen changes in myself as well. I have begun to learn humility where pride used to rule and the act of surrendering my family to God has softened me to be able to surrender myself in everything. Lives are changed when you commit to God, and miracles happen when two or three are gathered in his name. Thanks, Thanks, Mike. Step of obedience for Mike. Uh, Not listed up there. Pray for your family. Uh, Mike felt that. He felt God just prompting him to do that and had the courage to do that. Then he had the courage to come up and talk about it here. Uh, we know that when you make a public commitment before others, it, it strengthens that. And Mike did this at a, a men's uh, supper. There's a men's breakfast coming up next Saturday. And it's a great time for guys to gather together and just be committed to one another to support each other through some of these, these challenges. Uh, the men's ministry guys are passing out brochures. Some of you received it. And uh, if you're looking for one, talk to Mike or one of the other guys. But uh, you can sign up for, for uh, this, this coming Saturday. And uh, it's a great place, whether you're a dad with some kids and a wife, whether you're single, whether you're 
uh, empty nester, whatever it is. Uh, it's a, a breakfast for men just to, to be able to, to connect with one another and support each other through some of those things that God is, is prompting you to do. So I encourage uh, those of you who are, are uh, looking for something like that to, uh, to be involved with that, that ministry on Saturday morning. So how do we do this? I mean, it, it, it's hard. We have a list up there. Uh, it's overwhelming at times. What do I do? Uh, like I said before, start with one. What, you, what you'll find is that if you start with one, the rest will get easier. Have, take that step of faith, that, that leap. Okay, I, I will be obedient. I won't just hear. I won't just know God's word. I'm going to do it. The best way to decide which one to focus on, to start, is by allowing God to speak to you. And just in the quietness of your own heart and mind, just, okay, Jesus, which one? Point one out to me. Which one do you want me to work on? And just through prayer, allow God to speak to you. You can talk to your friends. You can talk to the people around you. You can come to youth. You can go to a young adult small group. You can... Uh, be involved with our seniors program. There's lots of places where you can connect with other people who can help you with that, of what is it that God is asking of you. But the reality is, is that God will, will speak to you about these things. He wants obedience. He doesn't want you just to hear it. He wants you to obey. Uh, second point is, is just keep it really simple. Um, if, you, if you end up disobeying, if you don't do it, the best thing you can do is, is to go back and repent and say, sorry, God, I didn't do it, which then puts you back on the right track because you're obeying the command to repent. So then you're back on track. It's all good. So if you make a mistake, that's okay. Repent, get back on track, obey the word of the Lord. Forgive me, Father. I didn't do it. Strengthen me. Help me to do it better next time. Uh, third is uh, focus on the heart. Uh, this isn't a bigger, longer, more demanding list of the Ten Commandments, where the Israelites ended up just stepping right into a legalistic understanding of it without any heart behind it. They just obeyed the, the specifics of the law and how it actually went when it didn't actually change their heart. Focus on the heart. Don't just check the boxes. Recognize that you're unique, that you're in a unique context, a unique setting, your jobs, your families, whatever it is, is how are you going to live this out? How are you going to bring in, bring in the poor? That's going to be very different in each of your contexts as to what that looks like for you. I'm going to call the uh, worship team to come forward here. We're going to wrap up uh, in prayer. And uh, I'm just going to ask that you simply... Close your eyes, quiet yourself, and just ask, Spirit of God, uh, speak to me. What is it that you are wanting my obedience in? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that is contained in your word. We thank you that uh, we don't have to go alone, that you are always with us, that your spirit is prompting us and encouraging us, cheering us on, strengthening us when we feel weak. So God, I pray that you would speak to each person now.
about how they can take a step in obedience? What is it that you are asking them to do? How can they obey you further, deeper, better? God, transform hearts and minds and lives by the power of your Spirit. We pray this in your name. Amen.